Tell me how to say ladies and gentlemen in gender neutral terms. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC talk radio is always exciting. Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Greg, do you know the first time I ever saw Lawrence Fishburne? What was the first time you ever saw Lawrence Fishburne? I first saw Lawrence Fishburne as a child on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Well, Dan, that's where most of America first saw Lawrence Fishburne as a young man. But I will say that I actually saw Lawrence Fishburne as a child because I saw him on the big screen when I saw uh, Apocalypse Now when I was oh, way too young right. to see that. When a young 15-year-old Lawrence Fishburne was in that oh, movie. Oh, my God. I always forget that. 1979. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Holy so yes. So you saw I, him as wow. you saw him as a young adult, um, just getting his just starting out. Yeah. Um, trying to get uh and this was and that role Oops. of uh Cowboy Carl on Pee Wee's Playhouse landed him his second big movie role as an adult, uh, in Nightmare on Elm Street Three as the oh, orderly. That, I always thought that was like not the same time. I thought Nightmare on Elm Street was before. No, he, he yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three was uh, eighty six. He started. Tried, he was was eighty five. I try to explain people who aren't horror fans, and that includes and Kelly knows a little bit because Kelly is a movie fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to explain to other people who are not like movie fans, not horror fans, and they like they've seen a recent movie and they're like, it's not great acting. Although I do feel it's turning back to the other direction uh-huh. where they're actually casting actors instead of uh, shitty uh, pretenders. Yeah. Um, these movies, even if it's Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and even worse, 5, which I despise. Mm-hmm. I just don't. There's a and John DeBond. That could say something for John DeBond. Yeah. Uh, because he directs a lot of shit. But I loathe the fifth one so much yeah and this is a guy who loves super mario brothers the movie mm-hmm. so originally ri- just negate all my opinions mm-hmm. but there's so even him as the orderly yeah. in nightmare on elm street 3 you're like that is lawrence fishburne <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's lawrence fishburne and 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 i'm gonna get to my original point because i think i don't i think you know where i'm going with that Mm-hmm. About Pee Wee's Playhouse, but yeah, cut two years later, and and nobody watched the show. That's why it didn't stay on long enough. And God damn you, America, for not uh, Lawrence Fishburne in Hannibal. Yeah, uh, I watched, and I didn't watch it either. Kelly watched it. She watched yeah. it when it aired, and we got him on Blu-ray. She goes, "You will love the show." Mm-hmm. And of course, when that last episode ends, I'm angry that it's not continuing. Because everybody's perfect on that, including Lawrence Fishburne. 
mm-hmm. who's fantastic as the FBI chief. I forget, <laughs> but he's a star. He's in like he is the one of the stars in it. The reason mm-hmm. I brought up Pee Wee's Playhouse is because uh, uh, Paul Rubens is no longer, and we could debate either thankfully or unthankfully <laughs> among us the living mm-hmm. on planet Earth. But um, you know, he it, that's where. I knew Lawrence Fishburne as a child, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't think call call me crazy. I don't think it's that big of an idea, big of a deal that he was jerking off in a porn theater, which is what they're there for. Um, however, um, he still has. This was all just to get to this, dude. <laughs> he still has the best, hands down, best death scene. In any movie ever, (laughs) and it's one of the earliest examples. Yeah, Phillies. It's one of the earliest examples of a post-credit scene that I can, or a mid-credit scene that I can remember, other than the aforementioned Mario Brothers, because we were doing two of them. Mm -hmm. Um, As Amelin in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is not a good movie. The TV show uh, it runs circles a, around that. It's rare files. when a t- it's rare when a TV show is better than the act than the the source material movie. It's Buffy rare. Or, I can count uh, on one hand: um, Buffy uh, and the odd and Mash and the Odd Couple. Three, and that's probably the only three. Yeah, even though Mash is considered a classic, I I've watched that movie twice. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched that movie twice. It doesn't matter. Um, but he has the and if you don't know what I'm talking about, and if you think he's only Pee Wee Herman, first of all, shame on you. Man yeah. was a groundling. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one. Number two. He's also a penguin. Uh, he was also Oswald Cobblepot's father. Twice. And, uh, yes, twice. Uh, but I'm telling you, anybody can hear me. Look up Amelin, Death Scene, Paul Rubens, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But make sure you watch the one that has the post credit recut to it. Dan, it was so special. <laughs> His Desi, they showed his now this and again nothing. This is something that's also never been done, because they showed his death scene in the trailer. The trailer, I remember for that. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. When is the when have they ever shown a character's death in a trailer? No, because even it's, if it's a B character, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it and it was a big deal, Dan, because all the roles you just named. Uh, Buffy, uh, uh, Oswald Cobblepot's father in Batman Returns. These were all after the uh, the adult theater happened because yes. this was the biggest scandal in the country when it happened. Yeah. And there was no internet, but that mugshot of Paul Rubens went viral. That was everywhere because that's the first time you'd seen, you'd seen Paul Rubens. No one had ever... Yes. Correct. What what made him such an, an an amazing? He called himself an artist, was because he was always in character. He's the only guy, only person, to host Saturday Night Live. Not only host Saturday Night Live, but to um... be in every skit, in character. He was Pee Wee for the entire show. And so, anytime you saw Paul Rubens uh, on a red carpet in the movie premiere, guest starring. Popping up on David Letterman out of nowhere, he was in character. So to see Paul Rubens 
Long hair, goatee, looking disheveled. That was a shock to the system of the entire nation. And he didn't make his first public appearance until September 3rd at the MTV Video Music Awards. Back when the MTV Video Music Awards was the award show on television. Uh, more celebrities showed up for that than the Emmys and Oscars combined because it was the coolest award show anywhere. And when the, the, the show started, the announcer said, and now a friend of MTV for many years. No he, he just walked out on stage in his peewee uh, and the place went nuts. The, to quote Pat Patterson, the crowd went banana. I was standing up in my living room because I was I was living in Rochester and I told my girlfriend, sweetie, it's Pee-wee, Pee-wee's on. And he just stood there and the first thing he said is, heard any good jokes lately? Fantastic. He owned the moment. I was going to say, if there's anyone that owned that, yeah, I was jerking off at a theater. Yeah. Nobody got hurt. It was me and a bunch of dudes whack, whacking it. Yeah. Me heard and any good jokes will. lately? Yeah. And but no one would and no one would hire him. You know, it Pee Wee or Paul Rubens was, you know, the acting opportunities uh had had passed. Uh because oh, yeah. his because Pee Wee's Playhouse had been off the air for quite a while. So for him to get uh showing up in Batman Returns, he didn't have any lines, but it's like, oh my god, just Pee Wee. And to show up in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he was just like in he was just like in little spots. And because he had such a great relationship with so many, I mean, he got Tim Burton. His first movie was Pee Wee's Big Adventure. He all his whole career was started by directing Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's how he got Batman. So of course he's going to give Paul Rubens a job, a part. I want to I want to play this real quick. Hit it. Address the elephant in the room, the big uh, masturbating elephant in the room. <laughs> just, just get over. It. Let's just get over this over with. But yes, as you were saying, that's Tim's buddy. Yeah, and it was it was and and a piece of trivia. Some people don't know that Oswald Cobblebot's mom was. I forget. Uh, E.G. Daly. Yes, thank you. I was going to yes. say it's the other uh, the other actress. From, yeah, Dottie. <laughs> from uh, yes, from uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. 
And so, I, I, I was thrilled because, you know, for Gotham, uh, that's a that's fit. fit. I loved that show. Me too. I loved Gotham. Did I? Uh, Donald Logue was fantastic. Uh, I, it, it, the cast was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? Who plays Jerome and then the Joker? Yeah. Loved it. Have no complaints about that show. Separate, you know, especially with all the BS we were dealing with as <laughs> comic book fans with the DCU and Zack Snyder sucks. And now and Joss Whedon. <laughs> Gotham was fine. I loved mm-hmm. the show. And then I fanboyed when they were like, yeah, no, uh, P- Paul Rubens is back playing Oswald Cobbot's father. And I'm like, that's one of the best things I've ever heard. Yeah. And I don't care. Even when I, was, I, when I saw Reno nine one one, the movie. Oh God, that's right. And he pops up as that. <laughs> it's a, it's Barry's father. Um, yeah. I only saw Mystery Men because he's in the trailer. I'm like, oh, it's Pee Wee. Yeah. Or uh, and the, uh, Blow with Johnny Depp. There's Paul Rubens. You know, I've never seen that. Yeah. Um, I know, I know. There's the, you're not even I, surprised anymore. I'm a six of smack. No, dad, but so uh, thank you for mentioning Johnny Depp, though. But you were we were talking about how you saw Lawrence Fishburne in Nightmare on Elm Street on those movies, Nightmare on Elm Street. Those movies um, launched the career of some of the most accomplished actors in Hollywood. Lawrence Fishburne yeah. was one. Johnny Depp was another. Patricia Arquette was one too. So they were all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and. They've all since had storied careers. So uh, just so you don't think, folks, that I mentioned in Pee Wee Herman, what the hell does that have to do with wrestling? Well, sir, uh, Pee Wee Herman has been on WWE programming many times over, most mm -hmm. recently in 2010. That's the one people remember. But I also recall, seem to recall him at a couple other events. I seem to recall him being with Roddy Piper at one point on a show of one of the 18 primetime shows WWF was doing that day. Um, doing that, that at that point, go ahead. That's, that show, it was called all-star Saturday morning preview. And I get this. Of course you knew. Yeah. Yes. Cause I was, this is back the when wrestling they professor ad- baby, but this was back Dan, when they advertised on Friday nights, the new Saturday morning cartoon lineup. And that was a big deal. So oh. NBC gave Roddy Piper a whole hour to introduce the Saturday morning lineup. And he had as his guests, not just Pee Wee Herman, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, my favorite group at the time, New Edition, and Patty, La- and Patty LaBelle, who came up to sing, who came out to sing Stir It Up because Beverly Hills Cop was a big movie at the time. So the image of Patti LaBelle coming out singing Stir It Up, and at the end, you know, when she's, you know, the chorus and everyone's getting into it, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar comes out to dance. Seven foot two, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar dancing with Patti LaBelle. Out comes Pee Wee Herman dancing, Uh doing the Pee Wee. And then Roddy Piper comes out shaking his Mm -hmm. Roddy Piper Patti LaBelle, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Pee Wee Herman dancing is an image. You wonder why, I, of course, I remember. I'll never forget that, Dan. That's an image that no one who ever saw it will ever forget. 
Uh, and they've been playing the clip of uh, Pee-wee on with Roddy uh, since uh, since Pee-wee's passing. But with the yeah. socks, <laughs> yeah, with the socks, yeah. Mr. Socko's grandparents. So- yeah, that's where it started. <laughs> but- All right. Well, then I won't play it now. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, but if you can find the clip of Roddy dancing with Pee-wee and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and New Edition did um, My Secret, which is my favorite song at the time. So, yeah, 86. 80- 86 it was hey did you know bobby brown was in ghostbusters too he was it all comes back to ghostbusters dan doesn't it always does i will either bring it around to ghostbusters genesis or if we're talking about one of those two i will bring it right back around to wrestling yes and i know how i could do the genesis one phil collins ultimate warrior two hearts Mm -hmm. living just one mind dancing like the referee yeah, dance like Ultimate Warrior now. I just like the Ultimate Warrior halfway through. is like, ew. And he just starts beating the shit out of Phil. <laughs> Obviously, and he, and he, really Phil. Yeah, and he never takes off the belt. That's what gets me. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's fantasy. By the way, everybody's like, you just won't trash anything Phil Collins. That fucking television show was horrible. Yes. He did a, uh, and I'm I'm assuming you. Well, this is an assumption. I'm assuming you watched it at least when it aired, and it's probably the only time you yeah. watched it. Yeah, Bill Collins it. had a prime time show pilot. Yeah, like, or, not, not yeah. He had a, it was show a variety on, show. It was a variety show with pre-filmed sketches that went around his music, and at different situations, and there was a plot that went through it that had Gilbert Godfrey and. Uh, um, she's on Seinfeld. Julia, Julia, we drive us. Isn't that her? Is that? Or am I remembering that differently? No, it's probably her. And and um um, son of a bitch. I'm forgetting the other star, Larry T- uh, 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 Tambor, Jeffrey Tambor, Jeffrey Tambor. Thank you. Because yeah. he was um, in that trying... the make it rain the rain video. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. They are trying to. Uh, I wish it would rain. Great video, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I always remember it wrong because there's that video and then this this special separate. Yeah. So in my brain, I'm like, yeah, that's the same thing. It's not. No. Um, you know, they start it. They open it on the Titanic, and he's the reason it sinks. Good mm-hmm. timey joke right there. Yeah. Uh, it's terrible, fucking special. But it gave me two things. It gave us Ultimate Warrior and Warrior. Phil. Yes. Um. It's weird that Phil Collins is the best actor on that show. Yeah, it is weird. I Ooh. when I when I saw that show, God. No, go ahead, please. I was gonna say, I. I just had the image of Phil Collins being talked into doing a variety show the same way. From the and you remember the beginning of don't the don't lose my number video, he oh, was being yeah. pitched this like I think that's I think that's how it went. Okay, picture this. You know, <laughs> uh, you're exact. First of all, I can't believe you remember that because most people don't remember the preamble, which is Pete. God, I'm such a fucking it's Peter Rob Peterson. It's Peter Robinson, mm-hmm. who uh, is his keyboardist at the time for uh, Brad Cole. I'm just this is just useless information. That's fine. Um, I'm full of it. Uh, Peter Robinson actually went on to be a film scorer. Uh, nothing major, but he, he did big movies, but he wasn't he's not like of the ilk of. Elfman or Williams or um, uh, yeah. uh, German guy. 
Batman, uh, uh, Hans Zimmer, or, Zimmer or Mark Mother Mother's Ch- Yeah, uh, Mark Mother's or uh, Mike uh, Chikino, Michael Chikino. Mm-hmm. But he did. He worked. He made a living. He's making still plural. I mean, uh, present, not plural. <laughs> making a living off doing scores for different things. Yeah, uh, but he's doing that. He's going picture. He said to say picture this. He goes. He does that with yeah. the, with the hands, mm-hmm. and he goes. He just says words. Yeah. Science. Shane. Shane. Yes, exact. Shane. Reach into Yuma. And then it. Wobble West. <laughs> Mal Craig's, <laughs> which I still don't understand. I don't get it either. It's full of dust. Yeah. It, it, yes, but to see Phil Collins as as the. Um, one character from Mad Max mm-hmm. jumping onto the truck, yeah, is still hilarious to me. Yeah, um, but all of that to say, who was also a wrestling connection back to wrestling, see, because he was on the uh, w- just so the worst television show I've ever watched is that <laughs> it's bad. However, the second thing, because not to leave anybody hanging that don't care, uh, the second thing that that gave me which is the only other thing I thought was hilarious on that show is it parodies Elvis's 68 special. Yes. Where it's just the black, the black, the black leather. red yeah. outline and he's in leather. And mm-hmm. instead of course, Elvis playing guitar and he actually looks cool is Phil sitting on a drum kit <laughs> doing one more night with the greased mm-hmm. hair and then nobody paying attention to him. I'm like, that's, that's funny to me. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the past, for God's mm-hmm. sakes, before I ramble on about anything else, <laughs> please take us back to the past and catch us up, sir, on the historian. I will indeed as soon as my assistant gets off my notes. Thank you. <laughs> Amber. <laughs> They're nice and warm now. Uh, and Harry. <laughs> <gasps> Sorry about we that. We're talking about the cat, right? Yeah, we were talking about. Okay, thank God. Because Maury will kill me if she hurt. That's not what I meant. She was hairy. Uh, No, uh, we're going to go back. um, uh, Right back before uh, someone talks Phil Collins into doing a variety show. But back when you could see uh, the World Heavyweight Champion on a a national um, program on a major network like CBS. uh, And back when uh, wrestling. And being a world champion meant that you were not only just in one territory, but you can be in several uh, when wrestling was in all 50 states and selling out everywhere in coliseums, in civic arenas, in high school gymnasiums, in youth centers, and in stadiums in some cases, um, back when wrestling was wrestling. And uh, you could tell a person's worth by how much, how many tickets they sold and how many arenas they could sell out. Um, back before with sports entertainment, this is the wrestling historian. Uh, we're gonna go back, um, because we haven't done this in a while. Uh, I was trying to just circle just specific dates in the wrestling history, and I don't want to go back too far, but we can go back to um, July 23rd, 1984. Uh, on this date, August 1st, 1981 was the inaugural debut of the music television network called oh, MTV. That's... Uh that's right. Phil Collins. 1201 AM. There's a connection right there. 
12.01 a.m., uh, ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. And in three years, uh, MTV was the number one show on basic cable, the most watched, the most viewed, and the coolest uh, because of not only of the uh, nonstop music videos, but the celebrities that would drop by. And because it was run by a man named Dick Ebersole, who uh, was also the head of NBC, MTV uh, wanted to be part of what was new and hip. And what was new and hip uh, in 1984 was the infancy of Hulkamania and the popularity of the WWF. So on July 23rd, 1984, MTV would buck the trend of showing 24-hour music videos and would go live to Madison Square Garden to show the brawl to end it all where the WWF women's champion, the fabulous Moolah, would take on Wendy Richter and in her corner, MTV's own Cindy Lauper. And the first rock and wrestling connection aired live on MTV right from Madison Square Garden. Uh, Wendy Richter would end the 32-year reign of the fabulous Moolah as the WWF women's champion and would usher in the not only the popularity of women's wrestling, of Wendy Richter, would boost Cindy Lauper, who was already one of the biggest stars on MTV, but the WWF. But the first wrestling match ever on MTV did not include Hulk Hogan. And that match on MTV did a 9.0 rating. Ooh. Ooh. Um, it was also the birth. That's it's not essentially that is the birth of rock and wrestle. That is that 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 is the opening womb of the <laughs> rock and wrestling. Um, and I don't think people appreciate how global it was later on when that segment airs with Piper smashing the single. Yeah. And and cracking it on Lou Albano and almost assaulting. I mean, not almost. He, he assaults kayfabe. Yeah. Uh, Sidney Lauper. Yeah. Power slams David Wolf. Huge and... is not the word for that. No. Uh, especially with the number of policemen that jumped into the ring who were not smart to the business and thought <laughs> this was real. So Riley Piper leaving the ring. You don't touch Cindy Lauper. <laughs> you must die. Um, was not was not a, an angle that was for you know, uh, for his own safety. Uh, yeah, we should get him out of there. Yeah, that's, that's kind of yeah. And Dick Clark was also in the ring at the time, so he also um was in fear. That was the other thing. I mean, you kick Cindy Lauper, but Dick Clark's a national treasure. So that that was he was also in the ring when that when that occurred. But yeah, this that uh, July twenty third, nineteen eighty four, uh, laid the groundwork uh, for rock and wrestling because remember, WrestleMania didn't happen for another nine months. Um, so this was, but it started, you know, July twenty third, nineteen eighty four on MTV, and uh, wrestling as we know it, and not just WWF, but 
professional wrestling hit the stratosphere because uh, other uh, stars from other organizations showed up on MTV. J.J. French from Twisted Sister was a huge N NWA fan, and uh, he and Michael Hayes were friends, and he had he showed up on a couple of uh, cards uh, with the Freebirds were in uh, in Atlanta. So, but yeah, the connection of MTV and and wrestling uh, started, and Hulk Hogan was a guest VJ a couple of times. On, that uh, sounded great on <laughs> MTV, but uh, that was what made MTV great. You never knew who was going to show up from time to time and be a guest VJ. It could be anyone from uh, Eddie Murphy to David Bowie. Uh, it was to but, to Phil Collins to Phil Collins. Um, that's that's that happened. I'm not making that up. It, oh, I know. Uh, and and artists wanted to be on MTV because that meant record sales. That meant if you saw me, you could not just hear me on the radio. If you see, you see what I look like, you could see my video, and then you buy my buy my record. Uh, so yes, being on MTV was good for everyone in entertainment: musicians, actors, comedians, wrestlers. It didn't matter, but it started. July 23rd, 1984. Uh, staying on that trend of entertainers and wrestling, as big as that was of wrestlers appearing on MTV that did a huge rating, uh, July 28th, two years earlier, Dan, July 28th, 1982, was the fateful episode that took place 12.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. But on Late Night with David Letterman, his guests were Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler. I'm not going to we're not going to talk about it at length because we did that when we talked about the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But but if uh, I will simply say and you can add, obviously say what you were going to say, if you've not seen that. Yeah. Look that up. Mm -hmm. And know that everybody else on set, the only two that knew what were going to happen. And they didn't even know it was. Well, I mean, they didn't know. You explained it better. But the only two that knew where it was going, where it was going was King and Kaufman. Yeah. And I that think you was... told us on here they were going to originally end with a song and the end of the feud. The original uh, plan for Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman, and they were contacted uh, a week a week before because the, the match, obviously, garnered national news. It happened in, uh, we, this guy happened in April. Uh, and to get uh, Andy on the show, because Andy and David Letterman were friends and had known each other for a long time. And they both started in New York, both started doing stand-up together. And he'd always had Andy on. Uh, and he wanted to get Andy on the show to talk about uh, this match had happened in April, but Andy still wearing the neck brace, still selling his injuries uh, on the set of Taxi, and he wanted to have Jerry on, and he would go to Jerry Lawler, who was still wrestling full-time after this happened, and wanted them to come on David Letterman, and the plan was they were going only going to be on for two segments. I'm sorry, uh, three segments. Um, They were going to Talk about the match itself. Second segment, uh, Andy would apologize. Jerry would apologize. And the third segment, they were going to go over to, and David said, well, now that they patched things up, here is Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman 
singing a duet, and they were going to sing along with Paul Schaefer and the band, What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. <laughs> that was the plan. And mm. uh, Jerry and Andy both said they were kind of, but you know, um, once we do that, it's over. Our feud is over. And Andy did not want it to be over. Um, because of what we talked about on this very uh, podcast, the feud with Jerry Lauren and Andy Kaufman went on for about a, another a year after the pile driver. Um, Andy was still going back to Memphis, even though he was shooting taxi in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, because I've got the brains. I've still- got the brains. <laughs> you don't have any brains. You're from Maple Tennessee. Maple Tennessee. <laughs> you like that, Terry Lawler? <laughs> it's so simple. But it's so funny. But they knew that it would be over. Um, so once the segment was over, so yeah. <laughs> Jerry and Andy had talked the night before they were went on Letterman, and Andy came up with the idea on this on the phone. They weren't in person. Said, what if he just slugged me right on the air? Just slug me. He didn't say slap. He didn't say hit. He said slug me, like in the forties. What if you just give me a nice slug? And Jerry said, "I'm not gonna hit." You. <laughs> Jerry said, "I'm not gonna hit you on national TV." He said, "Yeah, but if you hit me, that would that would keep it going." And Jerry said, uh, "Okay." So when they did the show, um, Jerry didn't apologize. Andy apologized and. And Dave said, "What well, do you do? You think that would come? It's come down to this." Um, Andy's apologized. Jerry, do you think um, you owe him an apology? And Jerry said, "I don't know. I don't think so." Um, did you want to hurt him? And Jerry said, "Yeah, I think I had to hurt him because of what he I did to Andy. What I would do to anyone who thinks what he's he thinks is a joke. It's it's not a joke to me. It's not a joke because well, this is something I was doing, and I thought it was a joke." He said. And Jerry, when you were in the hospital, was it a joke then? When you were in the hospital, was it a joke then? And the band was going to play, and Jerry knew that that was the end. That was their last segment. They actually started the first bar. They started the first bar, so that's when Jerry stood up, and he said, "Well, that split second, he looked at Andy, because Andy knew what he was going to do, and Jerry <laughs> just didn't slug him, but slapped him right out of the chair." Uh. We come back to a from commercial, a long commercial break. Oh man, I think it was about four minutes uh, for anyone who watched it live in 1982. And we came back. Andy Kaufman was, uh, and Jerry David and Jerry Lawler still says it to this day how professional David Letterman was, the most professional uh, person he's ever been on a show with. Um, he said, "Uh." I'm here with uh, Jerry Lawler and I think Andy Kaufman. Andy, are you coming back? And <laughs> I forgot that part. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Andy comes back and just lets loose on an incredible tirade. You, my friend, are a fucking, you're a fucking asshole. A fucking asshole. And every time he banged on <laughs> David's death. Yeah. Watch the cut version. Watch the uncut version. It's still the the edited version is, is hysterical because all the. Yeah, it sounds like every. Every bit you see in a movie that has somebody cursing and it's just beeps, yeah, emanated from this. Yeah, it has uh, to because that and, that and, is a good model of that. And Kaufman would jump out of a damn slam, and every time he'd hit David's desk, you see David Letterman just jump in the air. Uh, and he threw coffee 
at Jerry and uh, Jerry, you know, went to chase him and Andy runs out and David Letterman, always a professional. And said, well, I think you can use some of those words on TV. Uh, but what you can't do is throw coffee. <laughs> I've said that a thousand times. Uh, he said, well, Jerry, uh, thank you for being here and shakes his hand. Uh, and the feud went on. Uh, that would make uh, more national news. Keep in mind, David Letterman wasn't syndicated nationwide yet. In fact, it wasn't. It didn't even play in Philadelphia. Um, but it made the news uh, again with Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler. This is three months after their April match. Uh, and the feud went on in Memphis. David Letterman, however, wasn't amused. Uh, to this day, or in the entire history of the David Letterman show, that was the only show that was never reran because David was uh, embarrassed by it. And he felt, I wouldn't say betrayed by Andy, but because he considered Andy a friend and, they, and David Letterman is a, a severe introvert and he does not have a lot of friends. Um, the ones he knows, the ones he started with, Michael Keaton, Billy Crystal, guys that he's known for years and years. And he put Andy in that category, too, uh, of the George Wallaces, of people that he's known for a long time. He just felt that Andy used his show to further a bit. And uh, well, he did, Dave. Yeah. But I, I guess I don't he felt bad. He felt lied to because because I not that he, I don't think Letterman wanted to know if he wanted to be in on it, but he just felt like uh he could have been given a little heads up and and let Lawler even said on, on behalf of Kaufman, we couldn't because he didn't know what I was going to do. He only, we talked about it ahead of time, but he had no idea that I was going to do that. When the music started, that's when I got up and decided, okay, I'm going to hit you. And, uh, and Lawler and Kaufman was ready. He just, he had that one look in his eye and he, he, he knew that that's what they that Lawler was going to do. And David Letterman obviously has made peace with that because if you've seen the movie Man on the Moon, they David Letterman and Jerry Lawler reenacted that uh, scene with uh, with Jim Carrey. And Jerry Lawler has uh, made it a... Uh, he couldn't stand Jim Carrey on the set of Man on the Moon. He despised him because Jim Carrey was in character as Andy Kaufman the whole time. But he was acting antagonistic toward Jerry Lawler the way Andy Kaufman was when he was playing. And even Jerry Lawler said, you know, Andy wasn't like this when but it didn't matter. Jerry Andy Kaufman Jim Carrey was being Andy Kaufman antagonizing Jerry Lawler to the point where Lawler couldn't stand him. And when he hit Jim Carrey to reenact the scene he did with Andy Kaufman. Jerry Lawler liked Andy Kaufman. He didn't like Jim Carrey. If you thought this slap was hard with Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler said, I hit Jim Carrey 10 times harder. <laughs> How do you like that method acting, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. He said, because I liked Andy. I did not like Jim Carrey. <laughs> so I knocked Andy out of his chair, but I wanted to, I, I did want to slug Jim Carrey. I wanted to kill Jim. <laughs> And so those two twice. So those two times in this in that week, we've had two of the biggest uh, 
biggest moments with professional wrestlers on national TV. Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman and Wendy Richter and the fabulous Mula on MTV in 1984. Uh, both huge uh, for celebrities and uh, and uh, professional wrestlers. I was going to use what one more, but I think we can end nah, there. I think we can end there. <laughs> yeah, because we, speaking of somebody, you know, we're talking about showmanship and uh, wrestlers being on a national stage. A wrestler who never got on the national stage, but his presence is still felt even now because yeah. of the trailblazer that he was. On the same day that we lost uh, Pee Wee Herman in entertainment, we lost uh, another a wrestler who entertained millions. We're talking, I guess the theme this week is entertainment, wrestlers and entertainers. Um, we day same day we lost Pee Wee Herman, we lost the exotic one Adrian Street. Um, I, I feel Trailblazer is a strong enough word for that. No, I, he's in the superstar Billy Graham category where he influenced more wrestlers with his gimmick than any other. And you, when you see Adrian Street, who did it. Uh, who just took what Gorgeous George did and just took it, took it to eleven, pushed it to eleven, and this was the late seventies and early eighties, and you see so many that tried and failed miserably. The Adrian Adonis, Gold Dust, uh, Lo, um, uh, Lodi. I'm sorry on in WCW or Kiwi. Uh, in oh. WCW, Billy oh. and Billy and Chuck, all the way to a sunny kiss, um, just with the with the glitter. Adrian, all of them were just a pale comparison to Adrian Street. I think I Adrian Adonis became adorable Adrian Adonis because Adrian Street said no to Vince. Uh, that's when he started. This is when he was in the in the middle of creating his own when he couldn't get the one that he wanted. Like, oh, I couldn't get the Road Warriors. I'll make I'll make up demolition. Oh, I couldn't get Adrian Street, so I'll make Adrian Adonis adorable Adrian. Adrian Street um again did it better than anyone, not just with the, the wearing his hair in pigtails, the glitter makeup, the walking to the ring with his wife, Miss Linda, having Miss Linda get on all fours, and Adrian would step on her back to get in the ring. The the whole ritual in in once in the ring, the perfume he had to get perfume under his arms, each arms, and when the referee would check him before this is back when the referee actually checked each wrestler, you know, for foreign objects, and he would just do the you know the standard pat down, but it was a whole ritual with Adrian because the referee, like a Tommy Young, would check your hands and fingers, tapes or you know. Uh, metal objects, then check your trunks, then check your boots. And the referee would check his opponent, check Adrian Street's opponent. Then when he would go over at Adrian to check his hand, Adrian would just do this. And then when he had to check his waist, he would put his, his hands up and just do that and wiggle. <laughs> and then when he checked the boots, he leaned back into the turnbuckle, put each leg up, like each foot up, like that. 
And then when the bell would ring, he would prance. That's how he would start the match, prancing around the ring. He won the Mid-South television title from Terry Taylor by jumping into his arms in a full, like in a body wrap and kissed Taylor on the mouth. And he was so flummoxed that he was wide open for a schoolboy roll-up and he won the Mid-South Television Championship. When he beat Brad Armstrong for the Southeastern Heavyweight Championship, he painted the belt pink. Yep. And Adrian Street, while never on a national stage, he wrestled in the territories. Mid-South, like I said, Continental, Florida, Winnie team with Dusty Rhodes, and they both came in the ring wearing matching robes. Place when he stayed in the South, folks, because he knew he would get the most heat. There. Let me rephrase. Let, let me say that again. Yeah. He, he stayed, stayed in, in the, the South. 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 He would say, well, why did he never, he never wrestled in the WWE, he never came up North. You know how many people look like Adrian Street in New York? Yeah. What would that do wrestling in Madison Square Garden? How would he get booed? Uh, he would he would get booed, but not the way he would get booed, not the heat he would draw in Alabama. Wrestling as a Southeast Heavyweight Champion with a pink belt. Or in Florida, wrestling against Billy Jack and trying to kiss him. It's a Mr. Jack, because I noticed that you... You have a lot of hair on your body. I wonder how it feels like through my fingertips. Yeah. I think, oh, and Billy Jack's like, Ugh, and you know, like, oh, kill him, Billy, kill him. He wants to put his hands on your fur. Um, yeah. But who he was, first of all, uh, legitimate tough guy. Um, oh God. Uh, Jim Cornette told stories of uh, tougher he, than any of you listening to this. Trust yes. And everyone who called him the F word or anything like that, he could, he could probably. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, oh, yeah. <laughs> Come here. Uh, one I might of be Jim... Welsh, bitch, but you're going to die. <laughs> one of Jim Cornette's earliest uh, people he managed was Adrian Street and Miss Linda. And again, I did in Tennessee. not know that. Yeah, in Tennessee, 1982. Um, it's before he managed tag teams. He, he managed uh, Adrian Street and Miss Linda. Uh, against Bill Dundee. Bill Dundee was actually was the one who brought him in uh, to Tennessee. And again, staying in the South uh, because he knows he would get heat. And that's exactly what he did. You have yeah, this in the South. Yeah, this prissy guy with with you know glitter makeup, uh, hair and pigtails and pink lipstick and this sissy boy manager. Is, oh my God. The heat they got was... Uh, oh God, uh, I never thought of that. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, and he had a kind few, of a sissy. Yeah. And if you he feuded with Dundee because they were about the same height. Um and it, it looked like a it was a fairly even and they could and because uh Adrian wrestled in, in London, that's where he first uh started. Uh and uh his style of pro and of, of stiff wrestling and chain wrestling, he could do with Dundee. Uh and you know, the other wrestlers would have to adapt to him. And with Dundee, he was the one that got him uh, familiar with the American style of wrestling so he could take on other guys like in the future, like a Terry Taylor and like a Billy Jack in Florida and uh, Brad Armstrong in, in Southeast. But um, 
I, we told you earlier to do your homework to look at uh, Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler and Letterman. Uh, now that he's gone, even before when he was still here, uh, any of Adrian Street stuff, uh, he there's a documentary on him uh, called "I Like to Hurt People." Uh, he would he had his own music that he he recorded albums in London, and he his entrance music was his own music that he was singing. Uh, <laughs> but didn't one of them had a warning on it that said? Warning, uh, this album is for people with no taste at all. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, wasn't, it, wasn't it Adrian Street and the Pile Drivers or something like that? Yes, it was Adrian Street and the Pile Drivers. Um, one of the um stories that came out about him after his passing was the picture he took um with his father. Uh his father was I was just gonna bring that up, you brilliant son of a bitch. No, you. go ahead. No, 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 no. Take it, take it. It's one of my favorite pictures I've seen since I've seen that documentary. Is this picture? Go for it. Uh, Adrian Street, uh, his father was a coal miner, and Adrian himself worked in the coal mines with his dad. Uh, and uh, Adrian put it up here on the on the stream uh, while you're talking. Go for it. Did not like his father at all. Uh, his father was a very abusive man, and Adrian vowed that he was going to make it make something of himself. He didn't know what. He loved wrestling. That was his passion. And he became a success in Britain uh, first. Uh, it was a Britain, British Commonwealth middleweight champion. They had different weight classes back then. Uh, but as his gimmick, as uh, Adrian Street, a long blonde hair. This is before he discovered, you know, the he really, tr- before he turned into the glamour of Adrian Street. But he was wrestled with long hair and lots of makeup on. Uh, bright colors that considered Bright colors, yes, that were that were considered he was called a puff. That's what they call yes, him in, in Britain. That's that is the British term, unfortunately. But a British photographer wanted to take uh, uh do a, a, a story on him, and then Adrian insisted on getting a picture, one going down to the coal mines and getting a picture with his father. And he detested <laughs> going back to the coal mines. He he hated everything about it, but he wanted to to pose with his father exactly like he is posing next to his father to show him the success. And he even was even wearing his British Commonwealth middleweight championship belt, mm-hmm. standing alongside his father in a coal mine to prove his success. And the photographer called it the most important photo he'd ever taken because this was post uh, war uh, Britain. And this was like, Oh the, God, the, the, the idea of the new British, the new Britain, uh, and that Adrian Street was a symbol of that. And just to see the dichotomy between those two, and it was pretty much just him, Adrian, sticking it to his dad. And the photo was taken, and did he he never spoke to his father again after that. But um, and what's funny is in, his, in this picture, mm-hmm. his dad is kind of smirking. Yeah. And in behind them, inside of the mine shaft, is all of his father's co-workers all dirty of coal and everything. Mm-hmm. The contrast is unbelievable, and it's one of my favorite pictures. And I just wanted to add before you close this out, since you are the historian, there's also another documentary that was released in the last year or two, which is also the name of this episode, which is called You Might Be Pretty, But I'm Beautiful. The Adrian Street story that is there's stuff in there you've never heard. Yeah. 
It's quite unbelievable. Oh, there's two pictures of the two of them. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. And there's no truth. It's never been proven or disproven. Uh, but I can believe it if it's true that that picture was the inspiration for Zoolander. Oh, God. If that isn't. Oh, dude. It's got to be right. And I don't know if it is or it, I again, it's never been proven or disproven. Uh, but but it was a very I mean because it's a very famous photo. Um, but whether that was be uh, it, there, it is. It's it was, on stream right now. Okay, whether it was influenced, <laughs> whether it influenced Zoolander or not, I don't know. But if it did, again, it it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Uh, but Adrian Street, a life well lived. Um, a uh, just a. a an amazing person, an amazing, uh, yeah, athlete. And, and that dude wrestled up to 2008. Yeah. And he kept the gimmick. He mm-hmm. lost his hair. Yeah. He still went the same gimmick. And he with this. was ripped. Yeah, still kept himself in incredible shape and still oh married to Miss Linda. And still, still ma- yes, and that's who, who announced his passing, unfortunately, it was Miss yeah. Linda. He still wore the bright colors. Mm-hmm. He added a little black, but he had the like uh, the, a drawing of a the gear was designed like the feather boas and and yeah. all the other loud stuff he used to wear that was on his um on his tights. Like he, he was the same. Yeah, he's just balder. Mm-hmm. He was just bald, and 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 Miss Linda still came out. I, dude was in better shape than I'll ever be. <laughs> At eighty, yeah, yeah, but I mean the 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 like uh Billy Graham before him, so many imitators, so many wrestlers influenced, and we, even when you see it now, uh, it's like you know, and it, as good as they were in there, and I'm not you know putting down the, the gold dust or uh Billy and Chuck or or Kiwi or you know or oh I'll or, put down Kiwi though yeah. <laughs> But all of them are just so. When you look at them and you look at Adrian Street, it's like it's not even you know, it's not even a tribute. It's like it's not even like close to what what Adrian Street was, or no one could pull it off but him. And to see someone try, it's almost embarrassing. And I, I mean, I hated Adrian Adonis doing it just because of the tremendous wrestler he was, and that was the beginning oh. of the of Vince giving great wrestlers horrible gimmicks. But uh, to give that to Adrian Adonis, it was just, you know. Did we read Cause of Death? No. He developed sepsis after being hospitalized with a brain hemorrhage. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ. I did not know that. I, I know I didn't know Cause of Death. I just found out. Okay. I, 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 I get shocked because I he was in such great shape. So I I was a I afraid I was afraid it was a heart attack or something like that. But uh, no, I yeah, brain injury. Wow, that's terrible. But I mean, he was beaten um, Jimmy Savile to a bloody pulp once. And if anybody who's English knows who Jimmy Savile is or American, that is a beating that was deserved. Yeah, <laughs> they said he. Snatch bushes from disgraced TV presenter Jimmy Savile. And what I mean is, is after beat the hell out of him, he had scraps of his hair 
wrapped up in his um in his hands. hands. It was covered with his hair. It's just ripped out of his sca- scalp. Yeah. And and, and fuck you, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I say a life well lived and a, and a uh just a an amazing person because uh the a first of all any wrestler from Britain you don't fuck with, period. Oh um, god, no. from you're Britain an are, idiot. Are a whole different breed. Fuck they're, you. They're shooters for a reason, <laughs> sir. They're not the ones. They're, they're, no. They're, they they wrestled in carnivals uh against other people from the audience. In uh, all those shitty bingo halls you mentioned in the States. Yeah. Think of that, but worse. Exactly. And they start young. Again, this was a guy that was raised by a father who worked in a coal mine and he worked in a coal mine. It's it's not it's not a joke. That's you know, that's how you get that tough. And for him to to from that upbringing to stay with a gimmick of, you know, the the uh, the the flamboyant wrestler, the you know, that that was you're preying on a public's homophobia to get that over as your gimmick and to get heat uh it's a very fine line to walk but especially when wrestlers at the finest yeah especially with wrestlers who you knew weren't gay and they were doing it like Adrian Adonis like Dustin Rhodes like Billy and Chuck but here is someone who came in to the business like that and went to every territory like that, and to play and it was up, like that, and was like that. He was, and, <laughs> he was, and tell him he and call him the f word. I oh, think we pointed yeah. that out already. Yeah. Um. And yet, and he who could back it up? And again, five eight, five nine, not the biggest guy in the world. But again, don't try him though. Really, it's, hey, it's Jim, not I think a good idea. Poof. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, and 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 Jim Cornette said, "Just shake his hand; that'll change your mind." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "He said it changed my mind." I think uh, I could take that guy. No, no, you you, you really can't. But no. uh, yeah, Adrian Street was such a one of a kind. I was I would never got to see him live. I saw him wrestle a lot on television, okay. and again in all the territories that I mentioned, I saw him wrestling in Florida. I saw him wrestle in Mid South. I saw him wrestle in Tennessee. And in uh in the Mid Atlantic, uh just uh and uh, just an amazing and watching his I hate the word performance but like I said from the time he walked into the ring, everything was planned from stepping on Miss Linda's back to get in the ring to the getting checked by the referee to the prancing and to the you know he would just he could he put a guy in a sleeper hold knock him out and then put lipstick on him and then you just give him a kiss. Um, or even like if he would run and grab someone into full body lock and then just kiss him on the mouth and, and fans are yelling, disqualify him, disqualify him. And he's like, I guess the rules. Yeah. And, and Adrian's like, for what, you know, for what in doing this and yeah. And getting sprayed, you know, when he, he, uh, when he went up against Bruiser Bob Sweeten, and he went to lock up, and Bob pushed him away, and he just walked away from. It's like, oh, it's like, and he and he run outside and go, spray me, spray me, because oh, you know, just he's filthy. And every time he'd go to lock up, he 
he'd run back, he'd go, he'd put his hand under the under the ropes and tell the referee, like in, in like almost in pantomime, if you could do something about the smell, if you could just he would point to him and just just do something about the smell and referee could lock up, lock up. And he would just and just again, everything was a performance with him. And the way he could work the crowd and without even saying a word, because he'd make these big gestures so the people up in the in the cheap seats could see what he was doing. Um, just an amazing uh that again, Trailblazer, no one did it like him and no one has done it like him since. It wouldn't Nobody get will. over now. No, 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 because uh nobody's that good. No. <laughs> and on top of that, I have an idea though. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't want to give him heat, don't be a homophobe. There you go. Yeah, but again, only wrestled, only wrestled in the South. Never wrestled for the WWF. Never wrestled in the major NWA territories in the Northeast. Uh, he knew where to go to get uh, the the heat that he wanted when he wrestled in the states. Spent a lot of time primarily. Uh, back in England, but when he did uh, get a major payday, uh, it was in again the the best paying territories: Florida, uh, mid south, mid Atlantic, and uh, Memphis, southeastern. Um, he was a one one of a kind uh, wrestler who, um, again, like Billy Graham, who did it before him, nobody who did it after him, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, Sad to see him go, but I'm so grateful we had him. And I'm so grateful I have you, Dan. I'm so grateful to have you, oh, the listeners, you. and the watchers of HIC Talk Radio. And that was the Wrestling Historian. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks, buddy. You make me feel you make me feel good, warm, and gooey inside. Wait. Wait. Inside? Never mind. Inside? Okay. Uh, on the surface. Right over <laughs> the chest face. Chest face. <laughs> Two separate. Two separate things. Um, so yeah, real quick SummerSlam recap. Recap. Yes. Uh precap? No, or a preview. Word. Preview. Well, there's a word called re preview, idiot. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> let me do my thing here, man. Shut the fuck up. Not you. Hey, why don't you just go oh, oh, hell. Oh, hell. Ah, hell. <laughs> um happy birthday, Pierre. Let yes, happy birthday, Pierre Robert. If you don't know who Pierre Robert is, go fuck yourself. Yes. Um, <laughs> preferably with a rusty pole. Mm-hmm. Use condom, kids. Uh, who do you think's going over, Jay or Roman? We we we've come to the match mm-hmm. that I said was coming. Yeah, you did. You called and it. that we knew it, but we all knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Not special here. I'm not, you know, JD from New York that I mentioned last time, or. Any other journalist mm-hmm. that has a, no, I, you know, I guessed. So did everybody else. Pretty much thought it was going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Jay or Jimmy, uh, and it's Jay. Uh, do you think they're pulling the trigger? Because I think they are. I think Jay's going to win. Um, I, I think they're not. And I'll I'll tell you all not that Jay doesn't deserve it. Uh, but I think I still think the um the main event is Cody, the, the title. The, oh the, yeah, the okay. Cody's. Um, 
I think this will put Jay into um uh if he, I think he is he will become main event Jay Uso after that, um, sure. but and that but that's the only reason. Um, if there was no Cody, then yes. Um, put it with uh put it on Jay, but uh unlike uh Roman, Jay doesn't have any future opponents. Um, Roman, um, I have Cody. If not Cody, um, and I mean, after if when Cody wins, Cody has Roman. Cody has Brock. Cody has Gunther because remember they were the last two at the at the Royal Rumble. Cody has Seth. Past yeah, uh, who does Jay have? Is there like another Rhodes we're not aware of? <laughs> like a little brother or a daughter or a sister? No. But I mean, but that's my rationale for not putting the belt on Jay. Sure. All right. There's also not a Hardy boy he can wrestle. Did I call him a no. Hardy boy? Hardy, Hardy men. Hardy men. Hardy, Hardy men. Hi, Amber. The whole time Phyllis has been at my feet. <laughs> this dog had a double ear infection. Didn't bother telling us. Oh. Didn't, on, didn't whimper. Didn't whimper. Didn't scratch. Didn't cry. Didn't growl about her ears didn't even pick at him wow and doctor was like hey did we ever check her ears like no get ahead clean them out oh shit yikes yeah she got an ear infection in both ears excuse me didn't know she didn't care yeah the most chillest dog i've ever seen ever wow. had and that's even chiller than roscoe because roscoe would still not fight he never bit anybody he bit one person once because she tried to pick him up like an asshole oh and yeah. she was like, and she'd been to, he had been to that same vet a hundred times. And then she tried to grab Roscoe from behind chest first, not butt uh. chest. Like you should carry a toxin. You fucking idiot. They took all of my power, not go the fuck are you doing? You fucking idiot. <laughs> and she said she had the balls to say to me. Well, I was looking at her, at her like this. Do are we going to have to muzzle this dog? And I said, well, not if you pick him up right. Yeah. And she stood in front of him, put her hand out, picked him up. But my yeah. point is, is even after, even with that not happening, only person you ever tried to bite, by the way, is that fucking asshole. That fucking asshole. Um, he'd give you a hard time getting a shot, doing anything. Mm -hmm. This dog doesn't move. <laughs> They started digging in your ears, and they're very gentle. They're just trying yeah, yeah. to get in there clean. And she's just like, mm. <laughs> okay, I guess we're doing it. <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, chillest dog ever. Um, MMA rules match. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Oh, please, Ronda, go away. And uh, I want... I Shayna Baszler is everything that the WWE wanted Ronda Rousey for, uh, but better. Yeah. As far as a wrestler. Yeah, as, as a wrestler, mm -hmm. and she can MMA. She can mix martial art. Can I use that as like slime? Can I use that as a verb? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, I want Shayna Baszler to win in the worst way, uh, and I really think it's going to go that way. I think she will win in the worst way. Good. I'm glad you added so much to that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no. Uh, uh. But but making Ronda tap would be a great way to send Ronda. On her way, Rhonda. Listen, it's no secret. Rhonda's going home. Mm -hmm. I think I believe to. I, 
just to be family. Yeah. Uh, more power to her. I have no hold no grudges against her for that. Mm-mm. Don't care. Uh, you know, uh, this this idea that you must live or die by the wrestling code brotherhood. It's ridiculous. Uh, that that bubble was popped years ago. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Uh-huh. But this this standard people, the rock left the business. Fuck him. OK. Right. Uh, cries in your bed in his bed made of money with XFL is a thing still because of him. Oh, and he just donated a very large sum of money to the striking actors and writers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's a piece of shit. Gotcha. Anyway. Um, she's gonna be a family. She's gonna be a family, a, a, a husband. She's gonna be a husband. She's gonna be, <laughs> she's gonna be a wife. She's gonna be a mom. Yeah. Uh, there's and Shana Baszler's here. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to uh, get her up in the. What did you say? The top eight? Is there a top eight? Is that how it used to go? Yeah, a, a grade eight, but you know, grade eight. Um, yes, thank you. Yeah, but I mean, she doesn't even have to be in the in the top in that discussion anymore i mean uh, you keep the the you keep the top four your top four and your your bottom four your ones that uh beat everyone else except the top four and you'll be fine uh the problem is uh they're using only the same four women um granted they're they should be no but they should be the top four women i mean ria charlotte uh bianca and asuka and that's it um, because there isn't, there haven't used anyone else. Um, I know EO Sky has the money in the bank briefcase, but um, I don't see her doing anything with. I mean, out outside of Bailey, I don't see anyone that um can go with a, a top run because they haven't made any new female stars. I know they're doing their best with Raquel, but. She needs to be the Raquel from NXT, not this smiling, hey, look at my back, um, baby face. Whatever do you mean, son? <sighs> and where's... Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Yeah. And how did you fizzle out the damage control like that? So dumb. I... Yeah, I, I mean... Trips. Yeah, I mean, unless... Uh, I know the other person whose name escaped you from damage control is legit legitimately hurt but that's someone that you uh don't that you need to, those that's a group you need to focus on um and they but so many that they haven't uh tegan knox or um willow, Ni- willow nightingale dakota kai um they could be on tv every week i mean i know you can't showcase everybody uh and nikki cross is invisible but she's a former champion um, it also is annoying. Yeah, I agree. But uh, then use her to be to to elevate other people in the bottom four. Um, At least put her on TV because she worked her ass off. Exactly, she's an amazing. She's amazingly um, talented on mic yeah. and mm-hmm. in ring. She yeah. looks good, and I don't mean I'm not talking about her looks. She looks good. Is, is her? She could be. She's there. Yeah. There you go. And you work as a heel or a baby face. So uh, use her. Along with a lot of other women um, that aren't being used there. And men. Uh, next on the uh, next match on the card. 
Well, it's not next match. I'm kind of jumping back and forth and not doing the whole thing. Um, Oscar Flair Belair. I said it that way on purpose. I wanted to rhyme it. Belair. <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, this is so hard for me. Uh, I, I just, just let Oscar keep it for a bit. Yeah, keep the bell on Oscar. She still, she still owed that run that that for unex for unexplained reasons to me. They build up and we're like, no. Mm-hmm. Um. Belair got plenty of time, uh, and she can be a champion again. And though I don't have the problems with Charlotte that everyone else, and I'm going to stop using her last name. Um, I don't have the problems with Charlotte that everybody else does. This we got to stop using. We tried that excuse with Cena, and we're trying it again with Charlotte of the whole down my throat. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! No, you keep the belt on Asuka. Uh, the the money feud is is uh, Flair and Blair. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You can keep that going. Yeah, my God, yes. I just Oscar uh, is still Oscar's uh, so badass. That's it. Yeah. Um, and I guess the final match we talk about. As you said, which is the actual main event, Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, yeah. Um, this is Cody getting uh, a win. Cody's getting the win. Um, wow! All right. Because what Brock Lesnar does um, better than anyone is put over your next main event talent, your future champion. Everyone who has been champion had to go through Brock first. Roman, Seth, Drew McIntyre. Now it's Cody's turn. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, again, we talked about, is he not the guy? Is he the guy? But if they have him there, he, okay, go, let's go. <laughs> you know? And again, Brock's not going to lose anything. By losing, just like yeah, he had- go home and, and apparently yeah. have sex with Sable, like he said that one time. But he's lost all the people I just mentioned, and he's still Brock Lesnar. And the the money match is still Cody Roman too. Preferably right here, Philadelphia, and next year to WrestleMania. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. My friends, uh, I know how you feel about going. <laughs> Like I don't want to go. They're gonna they're besides the amp. But my friend did ask, "Hey, you want us to try to get tickets? We go together." And I was like, "You know what? Yeah, go for it. Whatever. We'll give it a shot. See what happens." Yeah, I missed the last one. I mean, getting tickets that was impossible. Mm-hmm. Bobby Heenan is trending on Twitter. Well, you know why? Did you hear? Did you see? Uh, Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns were on ESPN's first take this morning. What? The you didn't fuck? Re- yes. Roman gave his top five instead of Stephen's A list. He had Roman's A list, but the list is fluid. But Stephen A, when he had Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman on uh on the panel talking about it, and he said, uh, Paul Heyman, you know, someone consider you uh the greatest manager of all time. And he, and Paul said, I am the greatest manager of all time. 
And Stephen A said, well, some people would say, you know, would say Bobby Heenan. And Paul Heyman says, screw him. He's dead. Because I'm with the tribal chief. He's the best in the world. Okay. So why wouldn't Listen. he have the greatest? Right. Manager. Yes. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm not going to comment on it because as a heel, I'm like, good for you, Paul. Yeah. Good and for you, Paul. But he knows. He yeah. knows. Everybody knows that that man isn't worth a spit out of Bobby Heenan's dead body. <laughs> Nobody is. And that's not I'm not insulting Paul Heyman in that way. Not one Man in the world. And I know you and I talk about that segment where they introduced Jim Cornette to the WWF back on Raw over and over where Bobby puts him over over. Which happened saying, two days, which happened two days ago this week in wrestling history. It happened great. We can talk about that next. That's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there is no way on the ball hair of Paul Heyman's scrotum that Anybody alive is as good as Bobby Heenan was. And well, he's a good manager as a wrestler, wrestler. as an announcer, yeah. as a manager, and as a personality. Ain't no way, no how. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, Paul. No, nope. The thing is. If it was, if the situation were reversed, Bobby Heenan would say the same thing about that's Paul. That's what I, that's why I said what I said. As a yes. heel, I'm like, good yeah. shit, Paul. Yeah. I know why you said what you said. And, and that's why I also said, and Paul knows, mm-hmm. screw him, he's dead. Yes. And this him. is exactly the fucking reaction he was going to get. And he knew right. he was going to get it. Paul knows what he's doing. I'm not offended by this at all. Bobby Heenan has made jokes. I make jokes about. Listen, guys, we're all gonna die. Nobody's getting off this planet scot free. We're all gonna die. Doesn't they... matter. We don't know when, where, or how, but it's gonna happen. Don't know if you know that. Bobby Heenan would have laughed. When I'm dead, you can make fun of me. You know why I won't care? Because I'll Cause be I'm dead. Dead. What, 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 dead. And Bobby Heenan doesn't care either. And when Paul Heyman's dead, he wouldn't have cared either. And you know there's going to be people cursing his dead ass when he goes. So when... get off. That is a that's not a high horse. That's bullshit. That was a heel working against the greatest heel that's ever walked down the wrestling pike, and the man's been dead for Seven years, mm-hmm. and he's still a better heel than most of the guys that have a pulse. So, anyway, that's one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, you could you could unfollow me on social media if you want. That's amazing. That's amazing, and I'm glad it was Paul Heyman. When Paul Heyman isn't worth two cents to Bobby Heenan, but nobody is. That's the point I'm trying to make. Go ahead. When Bobby Heenan was trending earlier today, they were showed they showed a clip of when he was on hosting or commentating on Monday Night Raw, and Ron Bartlett, who was the original host of Monday Night Raw, was was gone. This is his first show after he was gone, and Bobby he said, 
Yeah, well, Ron's with Jimmy Hoffa now. <laughs> uh, but and that's you know that's amazing. That's that's, that's something that he would do, and that's something that Heenan would do if it was the other yeah. way around. Uh, so yes, yeah, so what Paul Heyman said, yes, he said screw screw him. When Stephen A. brought up Bobby Heenan as the greatest of all time, and Paul said screw him, he's dead. And thank you, thank you, Stephen. Yeah, you said something we actually agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the point stands. <laughs> Heyman knows where his but he's. Yeah. This is the thing. There are videos, numerous videos. Both WWE documented and off WWE TV of him saying as much, mm-hmm. and he worked all of you. You yeah. guys are getting old school worked, and sometimes guess what, folks? Getting worked is okay. Craig, where can the people follow you? They can follow me if they so choose on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, X, if you want, or just go to Threads at no, Craig. You know what? Just call it Twitter. Fuck that guy. <laughs> It's C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Follow me on all social media platforms. Twitter. Kidder? <laughs> Twitter? I don't even know. Twitter? Yeah. Where I tweet to all my twats. Uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. DanLaw83. com, Or... On all the podcast apps on your smart tab, smartphone, tablet, device, thingamajigger. Just type in HIC Talk Radio Network and look for the nice, clean logo. For Craig Legans, I am absolutely, without question or reservation, the greatest comedian that ever lived. Better than Bill Hicks? Yep, he's dead. No, see? See? He's, he's dead. Nobody knows who I am. Who gives a shit? But point stands, guess what? It's not real. Keep it on the paper. <laughs>